you are in the right spot today. Of all the places you could be, this is the best spot. The world can knock us down a little bit, you know, whatever's going on in our culture, in our workplace. Seems like around every corner somebody's trying to steal our joy. Have you noticed that? You know, we try to live that joyful life, Christmas season and all that, but it just seems like there's always something somewhere trying to steal our joy. Uh, I was visiting with my son, Michael. We were going to school, and I said, what are some things that steal people's joy? And so we were just kind of talking about that. And, you know, sometimes it's difficult people, isn't it? You just have difficult people in your life and you're trying to be joyful and happy and it's like, ooh, you see them coming and want to go the other direction. That can happen uh, many times. Hopefully it's not a part of your family, but I guess it could be in that case. Sometimes it's um, just some anxiety that comes into your life. There's things that you worry about. Maybe you've had uh, some tests that you're waiting on the results of. There are things that happen that just cause you to sink in and lose some joy. Well, I want you to know that you are in the right spot today because this place is safe. And what I mean by that is that we're going to talk about Jesus unashamedly. We're going to open his word. And my prayer for you is whatever has happened in your life leading up to this very moment, that you will find the joy that God has for you. So get ready. We are uncorking a bottle of joy today. You ready? I will tell you this. I'm going to give you an idea of some things that can just hit you so quickly and you lose your joy. So um, I, I preach through Advent pretty much every Christmas season. And back in 2012, Christy and I, our family, we were in South Carolina. We were pastoring there. It was our last year. And I had prepared this sermon on joy. I had every illustration. I had jokes. It was going to be funny. I mean, we were ready to go. I had visuals. Everything was happening, and I have my sermons pretty much done on Friday, and so I kind of let it simmer for a couple of days. So back on a Friday, it was in December, I think it was the 14th, I was ready for my joy sermon. And December 14th, 2012, Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut, tragedy hits in an elementary school. It was during the day, it was on a Friday, all three of my kids are in elementary school. Now, you may think, well, pastor, you should have more faith. You shouldn't worry. Sorry. At that moment, Christy called, we started talking, and we started thinking, wow. And you know what happens whenever you let that little thought take hold in your mind and it gets worse and you start thinking the worse and worse and you think what could happen? I mean, there are people going to get their kids from school. It's happened since tragically around our country. But I'll never forget after all that and sort of the emotion uh, went past, it's Saturday, I'm looking over my sermon again and I'm thinking, I'm not sure I can start off with something funny because everybody's sort of rocked what's going on in our culture. And so it was at that moment I realized, you know, sometimes picking on someone and trying to make them feel better, which I love to do, telling someone a joke, trying to make them laugh, get them feel better, all that works a lot of times, but sometimes there are things that happen in our lives that rock our world and have great potential of stealing our joy. 
Good news is this. God's word tells us what we can do when those kind of things might happen. By the way, did you know that, uh, I, I guess I should tell the rest of it, I didn't get up and tell a funny story <laughs> on that day. I got right into it and we prayed for the tragedy that was going on. But sometimes we think, man, why can't God just keep all this junk from happening? Jesus told his disciples, you're going to have sorrow in this world. In fact, John chapter 16, and I'm not going to read all of it, but if you want to turn there for a moment, we're going to get to the Christmas story in a second. But I think it's important to understand that Jesus predicted that there are going to be times in our lives where we have sorrow, where we have grief, where we lose our joy. In fact, in John chapter 16, he's gathering the disciples. He's going to be crucified the next day. The first thing he says in verse 1 is, I have said all of these things to you to keep you from falling away. That is very important. Why? Because when trouble comes, when our joy leaves us, when we don't understand, there is going to be a temptation to walk away. Okay? So he tells them, in advance, you're about to have some sorrow. Don't walk away from me. He continues through this passage, verse 6 says, um, that he said these things to you, um, that because he said that you're going to have trouble, sorrow has filled your heart. Was that sin? Has someone ever told you that if you're ever anxious, then you're not a good Christian? I have news for you. Anxiety, worry, fear, those kind of things can hit you in such a way that you don't even know what happened. It's what we do with that which determines if that leads to a bad situation in our life. So to say when tragedy hits, you have no anxiety, I'm not so sure that's true. It hits us all and in different ways. Jesus predicted they would have sorrow but he told him how to fix it. He goes on and he says, the Holy Spirit's gonna come. He's gonna help you. He goes on verse uh, 20. He says, I say to you, you'll weep and lament. The world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. Verse 22. So also you have sorrow now. That word means pain. That means affliction. But I'll see you again and your hearts will rejoice. And then the last verse of chapter 16 says, these things I've said to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, affliction. But take heart because I have, I have overcome the world. What is he saying? Even with his disciples, those wonderful followers of Jesus, that there are going to be times of suffering. There's going to be times when uh, sorrow seems to overwhelm us. So if you came into the room today and something's bugging you, you're in a good spot because God's word tells us what we can do to help remedy that. By the way, if you jump, jump over into John chapter 15 for a second, he talks about abiding in me. And then verse 11 in John 15 says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, that it would be complete. Do you realize that anxiety surrounds the birth announcement of Jesus? How many times he says, don't fear? 
with Zechariah. You remember him, John the Baptist's dad? Gabriel came to him and said, don't fear. The word, he uses two different words in that little passage in Luke chapter one. One of them is the word we get phobia. That's a a fear, like this overwhelming fear. The other one is just a stirring. In other words, he had butterflies in his stomach. There was something churning inside of him and he couldn't shake it. Ever feel that way? We can labor at whatever we want to, worry, anxiety, concern. That's what he was feeling along with that fear. And he said, you don't have to... Don't have to be afraid. Same thing happened with Joseph. He told him, don't be afraid. Don't fear. Same thing. Joseph had a stirring. He had anxiety at that moment. Same thing is true for Mary. Don't fear, Mary. Have all of this covered. And then, of course, the shepherds. When the angels showed up, they were afraid. Have you ever wondered how long the angels let them be afraid before they said, fear not? I mean, we, we, you know, we don't have enough time in the little Christmas pageant to take too long, but I wonder. Sometimes God waits a little time to see how we're going to deal with that anxiety. But that's what happened. So let's get to the Christmas story and take a look at it. So in Luke chapter 2, very familiar. I've preached on this passage one zillion times. And every time as pastors, the hardest sermon series are Advent. Because I've preached it 10,000 times, maybe a million And so you're thinking, what is that fresh moment? What is that? Well, you know what? Let's just see what the text says and let's see how that applies to our life, right? So listen, you know the story. It's so familiar. We have the pictures. Maybe some of us, our kids or grandkids were in the pageant. Luke chapter 2, if you look in verse 8, it's where we'll start. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, the Messiah, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Here's a great trivia question that you can win. Use it at Christmas. Who was the first person to preach the gospel? An angel. Because that word is gospel. I bring you gospel. I bring you good news. By the way, same word used talking to Zechariah when Gabriel showed up to him and says, no, 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 it's all. It's good news. Same word is used, gospel. Same word whenever Jesus said he was at the temple and he said, I have come to share the gospel. And he talked about what that was. Same exact word. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. The declaration of the angels at that moment was the beginning point of the gospel. And he says, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy. But before he got to the moment, he had to deal with the fear that was going on. And the answer to the fear that they had was Jesus. The gospel is Jesus, not just what he did, we'll get to Easter in a few months, but the gospel is the person of Jesus. What he did, who he is, everything about Jesus from what was told from the prophets until he returns again one day, the good news is if you know Jesus, then you have received the gospel. 
And because of that, he says that you can have this incredible joy. So Gabriel, some, some places don't say it was actually Gabriel who spoke to some of them, but a lot of people assume all four accounts is Gabriel. But look at this picture. So it's the good news. The gospel is Jesus Christ. Notice it says here in verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news, the gospel that brings great joy and it is for everyone. So we know that that's inclusive. Anyone who will receive him, they receive the power to be the children of God. Now we know that the shepherds received this message with great joy. The angels, of course, glory to God, jumped to 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those in whom he is pleased. So you have the gospel, the gospel is presented. You have the joy, you have the excitement and all of these things, the the Shepherds receive it, and they receive it with joy. The gospel, according to Scripture, is to bring us joy. And I wonder if maybe, you know, we have this familiar passage that we lose our joy sometimes because we forget what happened when Jesus came and gave his life for you and for me. The joy of our salvation, King David talks about. Sometimes we lose our joy because we forget what exactly happened. And so here in the passage, we see this is the message. It's very clear. Unto you as a child is born in the city of David, a savior, it is Christ the Lord. Now, I'll ask you this. Let's get, we take this. We have the passage. We don't know how long the shepherds had lost their joy just for a moment. They were frightened. Sometimes there are things that cause that joy to be elusive And it's very important that we understand that God can work within that natural response. We're self-protective, aren't we? Whenever we feel anxiety or we feel attacked, our emotions rise up. And so we need to deal with those. So I want to pause right here before we, we see how God fixes this. If you have anxiety because of past sin that God has forgiven... Give that back to him. He's not the one holding it over your head. Sometimes our past just haunts us and it causes anxiety and fear. That's not God bringing it back up. Have you dealt with it? Put that anxiety aside. Sometimes it's, we let our minds go very far. In fact, worry means to ponder a bad result of a certain situation. You're thinking immediately something happens and you go all the way to the end and say the worst is going to happen. Now what happens is that can happen this quickly. Has that ever happened to anybody else? I mean immediately something happens and boom, you have gone south 100%. The worst has happened. It's going to happen, right? Our natural response is unfortunately we let that go too far and we worry. Well, Let's see what scripture says about that. If someone has, or something has stolen your joy, another familiar passage I want you to see is in Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. Let's turn there and land there just for a little while. There are three things I want you to see from this passage. If someone or something has stolen your joy, if it's a situation, if it's a person, if it's guilt, if it's Your mind is continually occupied by the worst case scenario. Those are things that are are worrisome. Here's what God wants us to do because he doesn't want us to lose our joy. 
The first thing is, not going to surprise you, is we pray. Look at this in verse 6. Philippians 4, let's not hurry through this. We know the story. We've read it a million times, but let's hear it. Do not be anxious, troubled about anything. That implies to me that we are probably going to be anxious. There are times that we have that anxiety or trouble. He says, don't be anxious, but instead in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we know what to do. Whenever we have anxiety, we take it back to him. Instead of beating ourselves up over having the anxiety, why don't we hand it to him? Because that's a, 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 a tactic of the enemy because then we're self-focused. I'm anxious. I'm a good Christian. I shouldn't be anxious. I'm a pastor. I shouldn't have anxiety. I shouldn't have worry. And so we, we turn inward and God is saying, no, yeah, there's anxiety. There's fear. There are things that happen in your life. Give that to me. Present that to me. That's what it means to pray. You know that passage in John chapter 16 where it, it, it said that, that he's warning them because he doesn't want them to fall away because he knows that when we have anxiety, when we have fear, it can push us away from him. But there's a verse in uh, chapter 16, verse 24, that says this, until now you have asked nothing in my name, asking you will receive that your joy may be full. That's the prayer part. Don't be afraid to ask him. Whatever has caused that anxiety, that fear, that worry in our lives, man, we can turn it right back to him and not be afraid to ask him. So we pray. The second thing, if we're back in Philippians chapter 4, verse continuing on, it says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The next thing we see after we pray here, we are to ponder. Check this out. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true... Satan's going to lie to us, so we have to go to the truth. Whatever is true, we ponder on whatever is honorable. We ponder whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely or pleasing, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about, ponder these things. Thing. So worry is pondering the worst case scenario. Prayer is pondering that God has it under control. That God can handle whatever it is that's causing us stress. That's causing us anxiety. And so we begin to rehearse the things that God says about it instead of holding on to the worst case scenario and the negative because that's going to lead us to a terrible spot. We pray, we ponder what God said. And then verse nine says that we practice. Verse nine, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So is just, this just a theory? I mean, it sounds good. Or is this the truth of God's word? Can we really apply this and believe that God can restore our joy, can take that anxiety that we feel, and boy, it'll come in waves. You think you get rid of it today, it'll be back tomorrow. But what would happen if what Satan wanted to use for bad, God used for good? And so when anxiety comes and you start going south with those thoughts, 
You go to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to choose to trust you. I give it to you. I'm going to ponder the truth. You said that you love me. You said, we learned last week, I will not, absolutely not leave you. Remember? I'll not. Now imagine if we started pondering those things. Maybe some of that anxiety would subside. And then we put it into practice, into our lives. We live believing, trusting that God absolutely has those things under control. One other verse I want to point out, because sometimes it's hard to get to those places. In James chapter 1, these verses we've read again millions of times. But James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, God's word says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness or endurance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If I told you, that there is a way that you can have absolutely everything you need to live for Jesus for the rest of your life, would you want it? Absolutely everything you need to live for Jesus the rest of your life. If I could show you in scripture that it is there for you, would that cause our anxiety to go down a little? Maybe, maybe just a, a bit if we knew well, that's what these verses are saying. If you look at the end, it says that you may be complete, lacking in nothing. How does that happen? What is steadfastness? What he had said to his disciples, don't leave me. When anxiety comes, don't run from me, run to me. Whenever you're fearful, it's okay. I can handle that, I'm big enough, come to me. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So whenever we're afraid for our kids, for ourselves, for what's going on in their lives, we can have that joy because we know that God promised never, absolutely never to leave us or forsake us. And so here's what he simply says to us, just come to me. Don't run from me. He predicted it would happen, that we'd get all frustrated and say, why God? And he's saying, look, you're never gonna understand it all. Turn to me, come to me and find joy. Now I'll say this, as I mentioned before, I have no idea how long the shepherds were afraid before the relief button was pressed and everything was fine. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but there was stress. It wasn't ordinary for these bright lights to come from heaven and an angel to show up. And so they didn't understand. They were afraid. But scripture tells us they went out of obedience and they met Jesus. And when they left, what happened? They went away rejoicing. Why? Because the good news is Jesus. And when you meet Jesus, you have the gospel and everything that comes out of that. And because of that, they were able to have peace, but they were able to have joy. Church family, I hope in this season, whatever causes us angst or anxiety, and it's gonna happen, I hope that we'll take that 
and we'll pray and say, God, you know exactly what I need. You promised you would supply it and I'm gonna trust you. And whenever these thoughts come into my mind that take me the wrong direction and it happens over and over again, I'm gonna ponder your truth instead and then I am going to put into practice what I believe. 